We'll be in Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, would you pull up Acts chapter 3? And Tonight I want to talk to you on this subject, the day the church left the building. You know, Jesus gave proof of the resurrection by appearing to his disciples, by appearing to a multitude, a vast multitude of even 500 and, and others over a period of 40 days after he arose from the grave. He told them to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he had commanded them. Jesus said he was about to go to heaven, but promised that he would send the Holy Spirit when he left the earth to go to heaven. And the word for Holy Spirit is paraclete. It comes from the word parakletos, and it means one who comes alongside. One who comes alongside to comfort and to guide. But the paraclete, he would send, the Holy Spirit, he would send to come alongside them. And so they were to wait in Jerusalem for the sending of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside them. They were to wait and he would empower them to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then right before their eyes, the Bible says he ascended into heaven. Remember, they were looking up. And then one said, "Uh, why do you stand here gazing? The angel said, why are you sitting here looking? Get busy. That's what he said, basically, in so many words. And so they, they watched him ascend into heaven. What an awesome thing to witness. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and empowered them to go and do everything that Jesus had asked them to do. So when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read through a book of the Gospels, you could say, now get on to Acts. Because the Gospels are what Jesus did while on the earth, and the book of Acts is what Jesus did through the Acts of the Holy Spirit after he ascended from the earth and sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. So look with me at chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his... (laughs) That's good. Is that the game? Is that the... That was the Holy Spirit. giving the play by play, right? Yeah. All right, let's go to verse 3. Who's seeing Peter and John going into the temple and fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, greatly amazed. When you think of the Gospels and then you get on to the book of Acts and you see the Acts 
of the Holy Spirit working through the early church, you can't help but think, the Lord went up, the Holy Spirit came down, the church went out, and new believers came in. Isn't that something, how we see this all taking place because the church had left the building? And that's exactly how it happened. And so where would we be today if the early believers had not left the church? Where would we be today if they just met like we're meeting in here tonight and the minute they walk out the doors, that's it. That's it till the next time we meet again. That's it. We wouldn't be anywhere. We wouldn't be sitting here if that's what they had done. So I think of the headlines that read in one town's newspaper. The headline read like this. Tornado destroys local church causing no loss to the community. Now that'd be sad, wouldn't it? If, if the church here was destroyed here in Garrison by tornado and they said no great loss, it was just the First Baptist Church of Garrison. No great loss there. That would be because First Baptist Church of Garrison didn't have its hand in the community, didn't have its heart out there in the community. Then it could say something like that perhaps, but it won't, will it? About the early church, looking in chapter 2, verse 42, we find that they were committed to doctrine. They were committed to learning and hearing from the apostles the doctrine that they knew of Christ. And so they were committed to learning. They were committed to growing in knowledge. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Some people don't like that word doctrine. And if you say, well, we're going we're gonna to do a Bible study on church doctrine. You know what, especially younger folks... They just get bent out of shape about that, you know, doctrine. That just sounds like an old-fashioned... You know what it means? Teachings. That's all it means. And so there are teachings in the Word of God that the apostles taught, especially those things about the Lord Jesus Christ and the things about the function of the New Testament church that are doctrines that we are to hold dear to because they, they keep us right before God. And so that's what it's about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to fellowship, the Bible said, and to the breaking of bread together. They fellowshiped together. They prayed together. They went from house to house. They shared their goods with one another. And so the needs that they had among them, those needs were met. And so they had meals together in one another's home. They broke bread together. They they probably were taking the Lord's Supper too, but they were eating together. And we all like to eat together, don't we? And uh, we get to know one another over a meal uh, much better than if we're just talking on the phone with one another, I think. So they were doing all those things. And then in chapter 2, verse 47, the Bible says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the church is growing. And we, we could ask this question, then, what made the difference? What made the difference? Well, it's a what and it's a who. The who is the Holy Spirit made the difference. The what that made the difference is the church went out into the world with what they had received from the Lord. And that's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And they put their faith into action. If the church is ever going to impact the world for Jesus Christ, the church must leave the building. It must. I want you to see, first of all, here's the first point if you like to take notes, there are ministry opportunities all around you. All around you. And here we read about this lame man, this poor beggar. He had help, but he needed some better help, didn't he? Daily they brought him to the steps. They helped him out. They brought him there so he could beg. So he was a familiar man to, to those people. And he could see because the Bible tells us he looked at Peter and John asking them for a handout. He was doing all that he needed to do 
or all that he knew to do. He just didn't, he didn't need what he thought he needed. He needed something greater than money. He needed something better than the alms they might give. What he's hoping to receive wasn't really what he needed, nor was it something they could give him. They didn't have the money to give him. They said, we don't have any money. We don't have silver. We don't have any gold coins. We can't help you out in that way. But they did speak a word of healing over him, and he was healed instantly and got up and began to celebrate. After being healed and he's leaping around, verse 9 and 10 said the people saw him praising God and, and they recognized who he was, didn't they? They even said, this is the one who sat by the beautiful gate and asked for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the people recognized this man. They knew who he was, what he was about. They saw him every day. He had become, I guess you could call him a fixed figure. He had become a fixed figure there at the gate called Beautiful. He no longer stood out. He was just common. People were used to seeing him there with the need that he had. He was a nobody who needed somebody. And that someone that he needed was Jesus. The someone he needed were people to care about him. Outside the walls of the church are people who need Jesus. Outside the walls of the church are people who need you to bring Jesus to them. They're so close sometimes, perhaps, that if we were to open our eyes, we could just reach out and touch them. You say, well, I don't have the power to heal anybody. Only Jesus can, can heal somebody. But what God wants for you to do, He just wants you to do what He wants. And what does He want? He wants you to love them. He wants them to see the love of God. He wants them to come to faith. That's what He wants. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Just keep your hand there in Acts chapter 3. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 verse 13 is a wonderful scripture that helps us to understand the fact that the Lord does work in our hearts and lives. He does work. How many of you remember the old Bible study by Henry Blackaby called uh, Experiencing God? Did you take that years ago? See, I tell people don't take that unless you're ready to see something change. We took that and then three, late, three years later, we quit what we were doing and went to the ministry, see? <laughs> so um, we took that class in the little town of Post, Texas, and my eyes were just so opened to how God was, had been at work in my life. I was just not paying attention. And look what Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and do according to His good purpose. So God is at work in the heart and life of the believer. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. What's He doing? He is at work. He is at work in you, causing you to want to do what He wants you to do. Is that simple enough? He is at work causing you to see who He wants you to see. He's at work causing you to see somebody that has a need because He wants you to see it. And He puts that in your heart because He's calling you out. He is willing you to do His good purpose, the Bible says. So God's at work in you to this very day. Jesus is at work. The Bible teaches that. That was something Henry Blackaby dealt with quite a bit, that God is at work in you, and when you see Him, or when you see what He's doing, it's your invitation to join Him. He is willing it in your heart to do by allowing you to see what He's up to. God's the one moving you to do His good purpose. So we can ask Him to help us see where He's at work around us. So all around us, God is at work. 
There are opportunities to minister to people. We can ask Him to help us see the ones He wants us to see and see what He wants us to do. Here's the second thing, though. We can meet the need, but then reach the heart. Meet the need, but try to reach the heart. The purpose of God is to reach the heart. The purpose of God, when we look in the Scriptures, is to save souls. Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So it's the heart of God that we reach people who are lost, that they might become saved. So God's about seeking out lost people. He's about saving lost people. That's His purpose. But oftentimes when we see our model, who is Jesus Christ, and our model, who are the apostles, what do we see happening? We see them meeting a need and then leading out with the gospel. Jesus would meet a need and then He would speak truth to them, wouldn't He? About the kingdom of God about His purpose and about God and what He's really like. So in meeting the need, often the the door is open for something, or if not the total gospel message, at least a piece of the gospel to be shared, a piece of your heart to be shared, a, a little testimony, if I can say it like that, might be all that you get in. But by meeting a need, the door becomes open oftentimes. It may not be immediately that the door is open. Sometimes it's three, four, five years later that the door becomes open because there was a need that was met years before. That's just how the Lord works sometimes. In Acts 3.11, we see that after the lame man was healed and began leaping around, the people were filled with amazement because they recognized him. Because he was healed, it gave Peter and John that opportunity to share the gospel. And when you look at the remaining part, the remainder of chapter 3, beginning with verse 12 and on to the end, boy, he goes into a long gospel message. He didn't hold back either. He told them right where their hearts were. He told them they'd crucified Jesus. I mean, he just let them have it. It was the gospel. And he brings them full circle. And the Bible says when you go on into chapter 4, that many were saved. All right, Many were saved. It never says everyone got saved. But we'd like to see that, but it doesn't usually happen that way. Many were saved. So God's overall purpose outside the church is to meet the need. Then have us move on to sharing the gospel, if at all possible. And so something that I want you to see, though, is that your mission field is right where you are. The mission field's right where you are. So often we think of missions as only being... A faraway place. A mission trip is just a faraway place. It's something we get ready for. We even go buy a few new clothes to get ready so we'll, be, we'll have our new clothes on and you know have just what we need and we pack what we need. We get excited about going to a faraway place. But the truth is your mission field's right where you are. We're called to go to those faraway places too. But do you know most people can't or they're not willing or they're unable because of life situations around, they're taking care of people. They can't just up and leave and go a long ways away on a long extended trip. Most people can't do that. Well, you don't have to to be on mission for the Lord. You are in your mission field every day. I want you to see this video about a police officer named Dion. I'd recorded this years ago. I think I got it off YouTube or somewhere. Dion is a police officer that works a place called Skid Row. I believe it's in L.A., okay? He sees it as his mission field. Just one. 
place where horrible things happen all the time. Women and children are the most vulnerable to the crime. But you also have gang members and drug dealers who sell drugs near rescue missions and uh, hinder efforts to help people in the area. This is where I work. This is where God called me to be. And I believe that with my heart. You gotta get out of your car sometimes, remove your judgmental idea about who people are and what a good person should be, and, you know, and get out there and get to know these people, because you'll find that even though some of them have mild problems, severe problems, mild problems, they're people. always ask me, how can you work here? How can you sit here all this time? My faith in God is what keeps me from packing up and leaving God. This is my assignment. It's like a driving force that keeps me having faith in this community. You know, it says, don't let him go yet, Dion. there in his mission field that's why he sees it this is this is my beat is what they call it and God put me in a beat that's a mission field and he just felt compelled that that's where he's at God's got him there he doesn't need to leave that place and I believe we need to see that where we are that's the mission field God has for us I like something Johnny Hunt said you know sometimes we get excited about a mission trip and I uh, I, I love to see people go on mission trips but we get excited sometimes about a mission trip thinking that's going to do something for us better than what we can do where we are. 
And Johnny Hunt says, uh, he's from Woodstock, Georgia, First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia. He's a former SBC president as well. He says, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. We think, if, if I can go way over there to that far away place, my light's going to shine so much brighter. And he says, no, no, the light that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest. <laughs> so he says, where you are, that's your mission field. Your light is to shine right there. It will penetrate from there, and, and, and God will take you places from there. But he tells us, start at home. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest from where it is now. It will, it will get out there. A diffused light at home doesn't become brighter just because it goes on a mission trip. And if we won't let our lights shine right here at home, then a mission trip or some special occasion isn't going to fix that for us. Our lights shining for Jesus start right where we are sitting right now. And sometimes even the church house can be the place where our lights shine the least. I mean, we can put on the Baptist smile, right? And we can sing the Baptist anthem, you know, Amazing grace, how sweet. you got a lot of ease in there, and you can just smile. That's our Baptist anthem. And we've got the Baptist smile, but the truth is, if we don't minister one to another, like they did in that early church, their mission, their miss, that's their mission field. They're missing their mission field. And so the first work for the Lord is our light must shine at home, right where we are, one to another. And then it spreads out. It goes from there. God leads us to other places. And our mission field is right, right around us. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you would. Because what God wants is He wants us to leave the building and serve Him out there. We should come together, be rejuvenated, to be strengthened in the Lord, to worship the Lord Jesus. And then we're to leave the house of God and there ought to be some things that are different in our life because we've met with God. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 14 if you would. He says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as a sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. If we go outside the walls of the church as believers, our lives will spread around the aroma of salvation. Sometimes our lives are spreading the conviction of the Holy Spirit. People see what you're about. They see what you're doing. They hear the words that you're saying and they are convicted at the heart. That's what he's talking about here. He said, we're the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and also those who are perishing. He said, to the one we're the aroma of death because they realize and recognize where their heart is. It's so distant from the Lord God. To others, it's life. We give life. It's a both and. We don't really get to choose what's happening there, do we? We're just to go. And when we go, we spread that aroma of Jesus Christ around. Let me give you some examples, just some easy examples, things that you're already aware of, really. 
You become aware of someone in the community who's gotten the news they may have a serious medical condition. They don't know you, but still you go and you introduce yourself to that individual and you ask if you can pray for him. You ask if you can pray for her. And their nerves are calmed and their fears subside. You tell them about the love of God. You tell them about Jesus, how he came to give them eternal life, and how much you'd like to know if they have that eternal life and if they're sure. And you gently try to lead them to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the church leaving the building. Your neighbor's car has broken down. They need to go to Tyler for a doctor's appointment that they can't afford to get their car fixed until they get paid. You fill your car up with gas and you loan it to them so they can make their appointment and then you fix everything else because you and your wife can discuss how you're going to get to work, how she's going to get to work. You call someone else, they give you a ride. You know somebody that knows somebody. You can get it worked out. But they couldn't get their problem worked out. So you became the church outside of the building. A new family's moved into the community. You and your wife take them a bag of chips and a jar of salsa and you ask them if they need anything. You talk with them about church. You invite them to come to church if, if they would. And when you see them on Sunday, you and your wife don't just stop and say hello. You go and you sit with them or you sit in front or you sit behind. You sit near them. You're the only ones they know. They came because of you. That's the church leaving the building and then the church being the church when they come together. They say if you're selling your house and you know, and we're trying to do that and a realtor sets up an appointment to bring someone to your house, one of the best things you can do is put some chocolate chip cookies in the oven. Have you heard that? Just bake some chocolate chip cookies right before they arrive because that aroma spreads throughout the house and when people come in, what do they say? Mmm, smells good. It's just this aroma, you know? I mean, it smells like chocolate chip cookies. They get excited about that. It has an impact on their senses, and it puts them at ease. And maybe, just maybe, they'll buy your house. When the church leaves the building, and they meet the needs of others, and they share the love of Christ, it spreads the aroma of Christ, which touches their hearts. Now remember, we don't get to be in charge of how it touches their hearts. For some, it is a conviction of death without Christ. They realize their lostness. For others, are being saved. Some decide they'll be condemned. They want nothing to do with you. They want nothing to do with Christ. It's a, it's a death wish that they just hold on to because they are in charge. They're in charge, not God. Other will sometimes just saw that you cared enough that God would love them and God sent you at the right time and you just didn't know it and their hearts were ready. They needed Jesus and they wanted Jesus. And you spread the aroma of Christ. It touched their hearts. And when we do that, maybe, just maybe, somebody will come to know Christ. We don't get to be in charge of that, do we? We're just told to leave the building and be the church. And so that's my encouragement to you. That is to... Be looking around where God's at work. Where you are is a mission field. And when God helps you or causes you to take notice of something, maybe he's at work right in that individual's heart. Maybe he's up to something. You don't know really what it is. So what do you do? You just share the love of Christ. You be the church outside the building in whatever way presents itself. 
And you let the Lord do the rest. You let the aroma of Christ be spread and let the work of, of the Holy Spirit take place. And maybe they'll come to Christ. Maybe. Maybe they will. And we've got to be comfortable with it being maybe. We've got to be comfortable with letting the Holy Spirit be in charge. Be, be in charge, Lord. We've got to be okay with the individual that says no. Got to be all right with that. We've got to leave the aroma of Christ. I just hope that you'll think of that 